Hey y'all, welcome back to a Friday, July 8th, 2022 edition here on the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee. Jam-packed show for you guys here on a Friday. Two-parter here. Uh, we'll start things off. So that's why I will on college basketball. Uh, yeah, all kinds of great college basketball stuff for uh, Will and myself to talk about on this very program. Yeah, we got Virginia Tech, Kim Palm season and review series continues on. Top 25 review. Uh, Tennessee gets a reclassification. Uh, familiar for Zakai Ziegler and Vols fans. So that's a big get for this upcoming season for uh, for Rick Barnes and company. Uh, Dillingham choosing Kentucky. Monty, ba- uh, Monty Bates going to Eastern Michigan, which was a big surprise. Uh, who are the biggest transfer portal losers? are to this point uh boswell committing to arizona and uh, if sean miller is going to thrive being back at xavier this season so jam-packed show for you guys here um part two will be michael uh casagrande of al.com who covers the crimson tide and has been doing so for over 13 years now so uh jam-packed show for you guys today here on a friday um a lot more content on the horizon the rest of this week so look out for that but uh in case you missed any of the previous episodes over on the program guess what if you're subscribed on apple Podcasts or spotify or however you get your podcasts guess what uh you can go check them all out all in one place make sure you're subscribed on your preferred podcast player so you never miss an episode um yeah because this is a daily show and uh very very fortunate and happy to do it here on the blue wire pod network go check us out chase we're also on youtube so if you want to watch the program and all kinds of other video content youtube.com slash chase thomas podcast like and subscribe all that good stuff email the program at chase thomas podcast at gmail.com tweet at me at chase double underscore thomas and like the facebook page at facebook.com slash chase thomas writer all right part one on a friday Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate All right, it. welcome back to the Chase Thomas podcast. Taping this late on a Thursday. I am still jazzed up. We don't say jazzed up enough. That's a good, uh, good word that we should uh, bring back into our vernacular, uh, especially with the Utah Jazz uh, going into rebuilding mode. They don't really need it. They have atrocious new uniforms coming out. Those highlighter green and black ones are just quite bad so they're they're kicked to the curb we're we're taking back jazz and uh as that's my favorite uh music um that i listen to throughout the day and evening uh, as i work big jazz guy over here um that is uh that that's just where we're at and the reason we're there is because cam selden commits to the tennessee volunteers this afternoon watching that live right before we get started here will's looking at me like i have no idea what we're talking about right now and uh that's merely a name to me it's a name to you. It's everything to me. Well, <laughs> it was a big get, four-star kid, athlete. When you're compared to Debo, Samuel, and A.J. Brown, um, that's it's a good place to be. Um, so, so we're still right a trade in two years. Okay, that's enough. Um, no more Will talk on the college football hour. He's not spoiling my day. Not doing it. I'm just envisioning Heisman, uh, Cam Sutton uh, in 2024, 2025. So hmm. that's where we're at. We're keeping it, keeping that same energy. Um, but Will, how are you doing? How are you doing this afternoon? Doing well. Glad to be here. It's been really hot lately here, mm-hmm. which is uh, frankly not ideal, but. You do what you can. You deal with the heat. You hope and pray that uh, October or thereabouts is not that far off day by day. 
and uh, you can just slowly get back to weather that doesn't make you want to immediately turn right back around, do the Grandpa Simpson, and go back inside. Though that Grandpa Simpson a- goes outside in the clip. Yes. Now you have me concerned. I'm doing a September wedding in Tennessee. Do you think it's going to be scorching? Like, we're not so, doing it during the day. It's, it's uh, mid-September. It's, is it at night or in the day? Uh, I think we're going to do the uh, TBD, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be like 6, 630. Oh, you're fine. Yeah. Yeah. If, as long as it's after like 4, I think you're mm-hmm. good. Um, September's very hit or miss. I've had... I mean, I've lived here my whole life, but I've had September days that are very pleasant, where it's like the high 67 or whatever, and then I've had September days that were 96, and you generally just do not know until you get there. But, I mean, expect like the 80s or whatever. It won't be as bad as this. My favorite thing, are you a hard sleeper or a light sleeper? I thought I was a hard sleeper, uh-huh. and then, so I got a new Garmin watch lately. Okay. The Garmin watch is very cool, the 455, not a sponsor ad. <laughs> Uh, but it gives you like the sleep data mm-hmm. and uh, shows you, you know, everything about how badly I've been sleeping or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it says I sleep a lot lighter than I thought. So hmm. I, uh, I was kind of, but I guess I shouldn't be surprised. I'm generally the one who gets up to feed the cat. I'm, I mean, I get up by six basically every morning. So mm-hmm. maybe I should be as surprised by that. And I, I'm a little easier to wake up during a thunderstorm too. So you woke so, up this morning. Yeah. Okay. See, this is the difference. You're you're a light sleeper. You're there's no heavy sleeper because uh, I did not know there was a thunderstorm this morning, and mm. uh, the fiance alerted me. She was because I I was wondering why the dog had uh, the thunder coat on and everything, <laughs> and it was just like you didn't. She was just like you didn't hear that, and I was like hear what? And she was like it was thundering. It was pretty bad in the morning, and the dog apparently freaked out, was all over the bed and everything. And I'm just like I have no idea what any of that is. And she's like I turned the TV <laughs> on to like drown out the thunder and keep her okay. And I thought the sound of Netflix, the boom when it comes back on, what would nothing and she's like you're really dead when you sleep i'm like i am absolutely i've slept through tornadoes earthquakes all kinds of stuff i am when i'm out well i am out i am a deceased person i have slept through an earthquake before okay. a couple of different times but not like uh, thunderstorms tornadoes etc those i will wake up for because it's the it's the wind and it's like the wind on i think most windows are like this but how it sounds like it's grinding against something mm. when the wind really picks up mm. that gets me up and i'm like well i can't sleep through this so right. then I'm up for an hour and a half. Okay. Well, but there's a there's a little bit of strange pleasure I think in the uh, the bleary eyed watching of like 3:30 a.m. weather forecasting, <laughs> like when you're in the middle of like a tornado warning or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like you're just awake enough to understand it, but it all just looks like red and green on a screen to you at the same time. Yeah. There you go. Um, well. This is ostensibly a college basketball po- podcast, as we say every week on uh, on this very program. Will um, we got to start? I think uh, with Monty Bates, who we were wondering, it's like, is he going to be a Michigan guy? Is he going to wind up uh, going to Will's? Uh, may or may not be n- his number one school. Uh, we're still doing uh, the investigation as to where Will's allegiances really lie. We're um, still doing praxis on this. Yes, that's what's happening. So TBD, we'll get back to you folks on that one. Um, don't worry, I'm on the case. But <laughs> Bates is not a uh, Michigan Wolverine. Instead, he is an Eastern Michigan Eagle. I want to say that the Eagles. Yes. Am I wrong? Yeah, the Eagles. Uh, Charlie Batch's own. Uh, so the, Charlie Batch able to bring in Amani Bates uh, to EMU. But uh, kind of a shocker. What, uh, what do you make of that? Uh, it kind of turns it into a little bit of a non-event, doesn't it? 
Mm-hmm. I mean, because so there's a couple of different ways you can look at this here. It's the flip side of, you know, some other recruitments and transfers that have happened lately where uh, is it, you know, cooler when a recruit or a transfer chooses a lesser known school or a school that, you know, may not exactly have a history of NBA talent, you know, pouring out of the doors. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, the last guy that I think anybody could name, and I had to Google to confirm because I was split between the directional Michigans mm. that comes from Eastern is Earl Boykins. He's the Ooh. last NBA pick. And actually, no, he wasn't picked. He was undrafted. Hmm. So, and that's mid nineties. So you're looking at like 25 years between uh, NBA hyped guys. So to uh, for him to go there, I mean, objectively, that's going to sell tickets. That's going to make the like their Mac games probably get better broadcast coverage. You'll probably see him pop up in Sports Center a little bit. And this, but this is all assuming he plays well, of course. And I wouldn't say he was actively bad at Memphis. He just, you know, really drastically did not live up to the expectations, which were he's kind of had those for a while now, where people think he's the next KD. And it just seems like he might just be a decent basketball player, which is that's not a bad thing. I think, you know, there could still be an NBA future for him. But this is all to say it kind of turned it into a non-event where even if he does become, say, 80 percent of the guy people thought he would be, which would still be a really freaking good basketball player. He's still going to Eastern Michigan and he's still surrounded by guys who shockingly look like a mid-tier Mac roster, as Eastern Michigan has for pretty much my whole life. Mm. I I doubt that Money Bates is going to be the guy to single-handedly lift them to a tournament. I mean, like, could they be fifth or fourth best in the MAC this year? Sure, why not? But and can the fourth or fifth best MAC team win the MAC tournament? Uh, I mean, that's happened many times. The MAC tournament is a wild thing to witness. But I, I just, I don't know. This doesn't move the needle as much for me as if he had gone to a uh, big six school it's cooler for the local community certainly but i don't feel like this is really going to do much for him or for eastern michigan in the long run yeah i just why not go back like if that's where you're looking at and it's like emu is your best shot to play and i get that it'll be all about imani and this will be a big thing for him at that school but I don't know. Like, for those instances, it's like, okay, well, I tested the waters. I saw what was out there. I might as well just run it back at Memphis and see where I stand in the rotation and what we can figure out. Like, I wonder if there was more behind-the-scenes friction or there was something that we're just not privy to as to why he was dead set on leaving the program and going somewhere else. Because, I mean, Penny Hardaway, say what you will, like, there have been like Jalen Durant just went in the lottery. Like, there, he's still yeah. putting out lottery dudes year over year that, like, it's a risk for him to leave Penny and leave Memphis, um, especially when it's to a school in the MAC like EMU. Like I, I don't know. Like what do you what do you think? Was there a rotation spot? Do you think he was in jeopardy of losing? Like when you look at the Memphis roster, I know we did our Kim Palm ranking with him a few weeks ago, but like, would it really have been an issue if he came back, or could not have been better? I mean, I think it's more of a personal thing. I would guess that considering the team played so much better without him and that it kind of felt like by the end he was disinvited from returning. Mm -hmm. Uh, That seemed to probably, you know, end that or burn that bridge a little bit for him. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, I mean, this is an NBA draft that just picked Caleb Houston over Kennedy Chandler, which I think is baffling. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, I mean, could he not have maybe gotten a late-round promise? It's possible. 
but even of the destinations, I mean, you know, Eastern is on there and Louisville is considered, uh, and there are some other kind of weird ones on there, like DePaul was one of the final six, but the one on there that I really thought I should have gone to was Seton Hall. Because hmm. uh, it's first year head coach, you're probably going to have more than your fair share of a chance to make a good impression there. And at least in terms of schools that are in the Northeast, Seton Hall stays out of the media spotlight pretty well in a way that Memphis does not. Hmm. So I think you could have had sort of a, not like a rehab season of sorts, but something where you can go there and fix your image a little bit, play under a coach that I think pretty much everybody agrees is likely pretty good, the new guy from uh, St. Peter's. Hmm. And, you know, Shaheem potentially play for a pretty likable team in a big East that is no worse than one of the five best conferences in the sport. To turn that down for Eastern Michigan, uh, and especially where... I mean, yeah, maybe Charlie Batch has, like, some NIL money to toss around. I don't want to doubt that. But mm. does it not feel like you could have gotten pretty much that same thing at a school in New Jersey? I don't know. I, I'm, I hope it works out for him, as I do for every transfer. But I just have got my doubts. Yeah, I do, too. It's just kind of a letdown. But maybe maybe he's awesome. And maybe EMU takes off with him. Like, you never know. Like, you never Fingers know. Fingers crossed. It would be really cool if he was great there and if Eastern was, like, a top 100 team or something. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, someone who I think is going to absolutely be a top 100 team, uh, the Kentucky Wildcats. Have you seen this? Have you heard about this? The, the Blue Blood Kentucky Wildcats, they might be pretty good still. Um, Dillingham, he chooses Kentucky. I think that's a needle mover. What about you? Uh, I think it's a great move for him. Uh, great for Kanye West to uh, still be succeeding at age 502 or whatever he is now. Mm-hmm. That man is washed up. I hate to say it. But Oof. anyway, uh, I think if you're a college basketball fan, it's frankly better that Dillingham, if you're neutral, if you're not mm-hmm. like us, that Dillingham chose Kentucky over NC State. Mm-hmm. Um Again, this goes back to the Bates thing. Is it cool when a player chooses sort of an off-the-beaten-path school? Kind of like, So there was like some football recruit, like a top-five guy that chose Louisville football, right? Mm-hmm. And everybody yeah, thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, and so like, had Dillingham done the same with NC State, that would have been neat. But at the same time, uh, don't feel like NC State is exactly in a good spot as a program. And it is generally the biggest bummer when a really great basketball player is wasted on a bad team. It's just not fun for anybody. Uh, Something I did find out that I need to put in before I forget and we move on. Had he chosen NC State, he would have been the first top 10 uh, consensus recruit they've had since. And I swear this is real. J.J. Hickson in 2007. Uh, But anyway... The scout on Dillingham that I've read is that he's kind of a terrible defender. Mm -hmm. Um, Really bad at the point of attack, it seems. Uh, So they'll have to figure out, unless he improves greatly this year, which it's always possible. Like He's just 17. Kids can get better. Uh, In the event that he likely doesn't become, you know, like a good defender, Kentucky's going to have to find a way to hide him. But it almost won't matter because he is the very best offensive player in that class. Like, so Malik Monk, uh, real early in his career at UK, dropped 47. And uh, like the previous freshman record at UK was 35. Mm-hmm. I think Dillingham, genuinely on the right night, could be a threat to touch that Monk record of 47. Mm. He is crazy good from all over the court. Just absurdly good at all three levels. Um, best in the class. I think Kentucky's got a guy who really could break, uh, break 20 a game. 
uh, as a freshman, which is a, a lot rarer than we think, especially at the big six level. So um, I don't like it, but it is a thing. Hate to see it. We we hate to see I, it. I really do, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, well, something else we don't like is teams that uh, lost out in the portal uh, because the transfer portal, it gives and it taketh. Will Warren, um, we're going to do the taketh aspect of this. So the Athletic had a really good piece highlighting uh, who were the biggest losers in the portal from this uh, past year. For you, when you look at it and you look at this list, who who jumps out to you and who, who feels right? Uh, it's kind of on the nose to say Murray State, mm-hmm. but I think it's obvious. Yeah, uh, They return, if I'm remembering correctly from Bart Torvik's site, something like 8% of their minutes. From, from last year's team do you know how uh, many uh lsu is bringing back from last year's team it's like 20 percent. they did is return it that? A, a couple players okay so not they're they're not totally just murray state south yet which murray state's already the south but whatever mm-hmm. uh I, I cannot imagine Hold on. many murray super state's likely south, south are we putting kansas where is murray state is it kansas uh, where is it murray is like fairly Kentucky? close to the tennessee border it's is north it really? of clarksville is it really? I never knew yeah. where it was. It's in western. Hmm. It's in the western half of Kentucky. Huh. I want to. I want to say without looking at a map, kind of like between Clarksville and Paducah, Kentucky. That's two, interesting. Two cities okay. like you never really have a reason to go to, but do exist. <laughs> interesting. Okay. Um, but I cannot imagine like Murray State's generally a year in year out contender, regardless mm. of what conference they're in at the time. But I cannot imagine many super likely scenarios that result in that happening again. Uh, this year uh that's also before noting that they are changing conferences this year to the missouri valley which is a better conference so really bad time to lose your head coach and to lose 92 percent of your talent um that one's really on the nose so i want to go with one that's not mentioned in the article and one that i think is kind of a little off the board here uh michigan state hmm. i would call a loser because i do not think as far as i know they did not add anyone in the portal mm-hmm. um and while I think that's a decent strategy for some, so three Big Ten teams total didn't add a transfer. Uh, Indiana makes sense because they return 82% of their scoring, I don't f- and they have a few freshmen that came in. Uh, Iowa only returns 53%, but Keegan Murray's brother comes back and is probably mm-hmm. just going to take the Keegan Murray role. And they of the four available scholarships, they had three were already allocated to freshmen. So I don't, know, I don't blame them for leaving one open. Mm. Uh, but MSU... Um, the top center returning, and again, I swear this is true, is Joy Hauser, who, I w- would you like to tell me how many blocks Joy Hauser had after January 15th of this college basketball season? Zero? Zero. And that is your top returning center. So, not mm. ideal for rim protection. Uh, both point guards are back, mm. uh, Hogard and Walker, but Max Christie, who, yeah, that one hurt. Max Christie was underwhelming, I would say, but I mean, he would have been nice to have back. Yeah, he would be nice to have back. And he was the top minutes getter. Gabe Brown, a second minutes getter, also gone. Uh, Malik Hall is good and he comes back. But you look at that roster and two things uh, pop out to me. One, Mm -hmm. I don't think there's anything quite resembling a star. Walker would come closest if he can improve. And maybe, mm-hmm. you know, like Lee Call could take a big leap or something, but I'm not seeing it on the on the page. And two, none of the incoming freshmen they have are like surefire five-star guys. The highest ranked, I think, was 51st by on three. Mm-hmm. And generally, if you're like 
So, I mean, I, other people may see it differently, but if you're a big six program, my thought is like, if you're a top 30 to 40 guy, you're probably expecting to be no worse than like a sixth man, right? Mm-hmm. The, I mean, if you're outside the top 50, it's kind of borderline at that point. So I, I, none of the incoming freshmen pop off the pages like obvious scores or even, you know, expected starters. And we kind of got to get to the point that's uncomfortable, which is that Tom Izzo is going to be 68 uh, midway through the season. And mm. they just posted back-to-back seven or higher seeds for the first time in 20 years. I thought there would be a greater emphasis on, you know, returning to being at Michigan State and not being like a fringy top 25 to 30 team. And it might work out and they might be a lot better than I expect. But for a Big Ten that on the whole is going to be quite down at the top, like I think Indiana's the best team, but Mm -hmm. I don't know that I would even say Indiana is one of the 10 best teams in America. Your opportunity was kind of there to sneak back in, and I feel like they blew it. That would hurt. That that would hurt. Um, but we'll see. Michigan State uh, betting against is a Michigan State. I still well, they're a wait and see. They're, I'm betting against him from November to like February second, mm-hmm. and then after that, uh, he's back on. There you go. Uh, Kylan Boswell uh, he commits to Arizona and reclassifies. Five star kid, Tommy Lloyd, man, building a juggernaut right out of the gate in Arizona. Um, what do you make of him and him reclassifying and where Arizona sits going into next year? So he's a top 20 overall player. And I want to go back to that point of like, if you're in the top 30 to 40, and especially if you're top 20, you're probably expecting to start or no, be no worse than like the top minutes guy off the bench year one. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the Keon, Jaden, Kennedy, et cetera situation. Mm-hmm. Reclassifying for this guy does not make much of sense to me. I totally mm. get the desire to be paid as soon as you can because you're not really making. I mean, I don't think you make anything in high school unless you're getting it under the table. Mm. Uh, but for to do this for Arizona, it certainly helps, I guess, for the overall picture. But I don't feel like it helps him that much because Kirk Creasa is back. He's mm-hmm. generally seen as the likely starter at point. Courtney Ramey comes over from Texas, which great transfer to just nab out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was technically a two guard last year, but he played point for a pair of years at Texas. So you're entering into a situation where you already have two guys who have had legit big starters minutes at both of their schools at point guard, both high end uh, conferences they're playing in too. Mm-hmm. So if, if he's willing to stay at Arizona for two years, it makes a ton of sense. If he wants to just get out of high school, get in a real college weight room and go for it, then I think that's the case. But if he's expecting to play like 25 minutes a night year one, I don't know that I see it. But, I mean, the uh, the draft people I know of, you know, maybe it would have benefited him to wait a year, but whatever. They see him as like a future two-way terror of sorts at point. Like he's very good offensively, very good defensively, very well-rounded. Could be could end up being a bit underrated in his class by the end. So, yeah, I mean... We, we kind of waited for Sean Miller to do it for so long, and then Tommy Lloyd steps right in, and it's like ripping the governor out of the golf cart. You know, but it's cool. Arizona yeah. is like one of those schools that, like, I just... College basketball, I think, is better when they're good and when they're early. Yes. Like, it's just... Uh, they're one of those programs that I think fall in that category, and it's pretty amazing that Lloyd has just been that good. But it's also like he, he learned from few for a really long time. It also just makes me wonder... 
what few would have been like at a, a different school. Obviously, he's won a bunch, and you can go far with Gonzaga, and he's recruited well, so it's not like that would change. But I just wonder with resources or something like that, if if we saw a few at UCLA yeah. or somewhere else just for a couple of years, if he would have a ring. Like, I, I'm, I'm curious. I don't know. Yeah, I mean. It's a big what if. Yeah. <laughs> if he doesn't get a ring, or like, at after all of this, I mean, that's a big what if. Um, speaking of what ifs, uh, fact or fiction for you. Well, I got a fact or fiction for you. Sean Miller will thrive back at Xavier. There's a really good piece on ESPN.com about uh, his journey back to Xavier, um, everything that happened at Arizona and all that. But he was away from coaching along with his brother this past year. He's back. He takes over at Xavier, um, where they've just been a coaching pipeline <laughs> for yeah. so many guys uh, over the years. But I don't know. What do you What do you think? Do you think this is just a natural fit and that he does bounce right back? Do you think uh, this is just going to be easy for him to bounce back? Do you think his best days are behind him? What do you think about Miller at Xavier? So Sean Miller is a real lightning rod of a coach, right? I mm-hmm. feel like he's a guy that sort of invites hot takes on either side of the aisle. Mm-hmm. The problem is I don't feel like I have a hot take on Sean Miller. I think he's like a good coach. I don't think he's great, and I don't think he's bad. I think he's just good because mm-hmm. I, I felt like the Arizona accomplishments got overstated a tad mm-hmm. because there are only two years where they were a legit top 15 team. Those back-to-back years, they were in the Elite Eight, and Wisconsin bounced them both times, which don't really fault him for that. Things happen in the tournament. As, as long as you get there over and over, you're at least giving yourself the shot. But that was basically it. I mean, he mm-hmm. returned Arizona to being consistent top 20. But, I mean, when you and I were growing up, Arizona was top 10 more or less every single season. Mm-hmm. And that dates back well into the 90s. And I think, you know, could, did he do a good job of sort of fixing things after Ludolson kind of suddenly retired? Yes. Uh, did he really sustain it at the very top of the sport like he could have? Not really. And at Xavier, I thought he did well to extend what Thad Mata and uh, Skip Prosser before Mata did, but it's not like he was building from scratch. So mm-hmm. I kind of feel like his his resume is inflated a bit by virtue of who preceded him and by virtue of where he was. But you don't get jobs at Xavier in Arizona by accident. You have to be pretty good. And so I, I would not be surprised. So let's assume he's there five years. I feel like that's a fair guess, five mm-hmm. years. And then... Actually, let's see what Sean Miller's age is. Sean Miller is 53, so he's quite young. Yeah. Um, young for coaches. Mm. Uh, I, I think it'd be a success if Xavier makes the tournament in like three plus years and makes at least one Sweet 16. I think mm. that's like good rehabilitation for Sean Miller to then, you know, now that they're in the Big East, maybe you can't really parlay that into a quote better job, mm. but you could get back to the West Coast if you enjoy that. That's true. I. I don't know. I think this, my gut tells me like him, <clears throat> him, that matter. Like this is it. I don't mm. think they're going to get back into big college basketball. I don't think any programs are going to like bet on guys like that. And I mean, just cause you're not sure year to year if he's going to retire, if he's up for really building, competing at that kind of level all over again. I just think the stakes are different at Xavier. And I think, with Thad, with um, Sean Miller, and if Chris Mack ever gets back into coaching, like hmm. uh, talking to Steve Rummage of ESPN Louisville a few weeks back, 
it seems like he's good. Like he has young, he has kids who are, I think, teenagers. I want to say, and he's just going to do the family thing. And it would not surprise him if he never went back. And Chris Mack is just done. Um, he won a lot of games. He's been in the business a long time. That like, I don't know. My vibe with Sean Miller at Xavier. I think this is probably it. I don't think another big school hands the keys over to him. And the the, the big wild cards, Will Wade, is like, does Will Wade get another one? And I mean, if Sean Miller gets a another opportunity then will wade probably will too i just don't think you're gonna see them back at the 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 big guns kind of like patino it's like patino can win at iona but it's still just he's not being let back in like it's it's just that ship sailed and i think that ship has sailed for sean miller maybe that's okay with him because i mean he won a lot at arizona i mean it was a mostly a successful program it's not what lloyd is doing with um arizona now but it's not like he has not had a great career, and um, yeah. I think I don't know. I I would I would be surprised. I think Archie has a better shot of getting back into a Power Five big big job than Sean. Uh, interestingly enough, it's it's the lack of scandal there. I mean, yeah. Archie Miller just it just didn't work out. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like he you know was you know paying guys on the side before we could do that, but allegedly allegedly but i mean he just didn't work out i i think the only job like that pops off the page to me that sean miller would like want is like is if pittsburgh ever came open because that's Mm. his alma mater he coached there before as an assistant like if he saw an opportunity where it wasn't ground floor but like pittsburgh got back to respectability and then he could jump in he could probably do that right now but then there's then there's the pressure of like you're like the chosen son and then, though, I mean, the the benefit of being a Pittsburgh, and to a lesser extent, Xavier, is that you're not the big fish in a small pond like you are at uh, Arizona, where Arizona mm-hmm. basketball, frankly, outdraws and is more important than Arizona football. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, Arizona football, there's no tradition. Like, they're one of the losingest Power 5 programs uh, in history. Like, just go through their it, It's wild, like, the yeah. lack of uh, winning seasons in Tucson. It's It's not great. And then, I mean, for Xavier, obviously, like, they have a lot of success. Xavier basketball is important. Mm-hmm. But playing in a city with especially the Bengals, I think you just kind of, as if in winter, you're flying under the radar at least a little bit. Like, the the deep fans care. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you're already competing with the University of Cincinnati for fan attention, so. I don't know. I just feel like maybe he has the Mark Few thing. It's just, like, he can yeah. build Xavier good enough where, like, they can make a Sweet 16 Elite Eight run, like, you can go far at Xavier. Like, that is mm-hmm. a possibility. Um, so, I mean, if that's the case and he feels like he can get pretty far and be successful year over year, why why make that jump? Because guess what? I, Xavier's a better job than Pitt. I would rather be the head coach of Xavier basketball. I'm going to win a lot more games. Like, you won't be in as uh, many big-time games, but, like, man, you're learning Jeff Chappell and Jamie Dixon got out of there, and I, I don't know. I, I would not leave Xavier for Pitt, I, even with the ties. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's lower pressure for sure. But yeah, I just I mean low pressure. I just would bet on that situation panning out better. <laughs> uh, Tennessee, they get a big reclassification uh, this summer, so uh, Zakai Ziegler's guy is in the building. Um, so that's really cool. Um, what do you what do you make of this reclassification? And did you see it coming? Uh, yeah, I'm not shocked by it. I think it's good for Tennessee. You know, get some more dudes in the door that are of the. The Ziggler pipeline, <laughs> which is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, I mean, the numbers in high school are impressive. 
but I don't expect he's going to play much. So this is more of like a future pickup, right? Like maybe he mm-hmm. pops off the page out of nowhere, but I think this is, you know, like down the line, this is a guy you're looking at. Uh, more exciting thing to me, mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw, I assume everybody has by now, uh, mm-hmm. but the SEC opponents are out. Mm-hmm. None of the dates, of course, because they won't let you plan ahead too far. Mm-hmm. But uh, I kind of thought Tennessee caught a couple breaks, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Arkansas is home only. You don't have to travel to Hell Arena in uh, Fayetteville, which is mm-hmm. genuinely okay. I, I know Kentucky fans <laughs> are very proud of Rupp. Mm-hmm. I know Vandy fans are very proud of Memorial. I think a lot of people are proud of a lot of arenas. But as somebody who has watched SEC basketball for 20-plus years now, for all of those 20 years, there's never been a scarier place to play than Arkansas. Mm-hmm. I Every time Tennessee goes there, I get anxious. It's mm-hmm. just... It's bad vibes. That's impossible to win there in a normal fashion. If you do win, it's gotta it's gotta come on some controversy or something. Mm-hmm. So well, I'm glad we to get go there. Really nice for sure. And I'm glad we get Auburn at home and on the road. Like that would have sucked if we were just going to Auburn. That yes. would have that would have not so been great. Your your toughest road only opponent is probably Florida, who's in year mm-hmm. one of a new coach. I mean, yeah, that's a pretty solid little draw and. Guaranteed home games against all of Alabama, Arkansas, Auburn, Kentucky, which is terrific. So, are you going to make th- the trip to Starkville for Vol Starkville? No, come no, on, no. you going to miss that one. I think I will miss most road games. I I would be I would be interested in doing the Arizona trip. Mm. That would be quite fun, but I don't think I'll be able to make it work schedule wise. Mm. There's a there's a couple of those like west of texas schools where mm. i genuinely would if i could drop everything i'm doing and go like if tennessee were to play at ucla i think that would be really fun you're playing at arizona that's really high on the list mm. i even think going to colorado would be pretty fascinating hmm. because not that that arena is like you know some sort of monument to basketball necessarily but it's so hard to win there because of the altitude and mm. the fan experience seems very unique that's that's fair. That's a that's a bucket list thing. I I don't hate that. I don't hate that. You wouldn't go to a neutral site in Brooklyn or in no, Philadelphia? That's boring to me. I'm sick of this <laughs> neutral site trend. Stop doing it. Go back mm-hmm. to home and homes. I would happily mm-hmm. happily do it one on or one and one with Maryland as they're planning and doing in Brooklyn. Yeah, Maryland's arena is cool. Mm-hmm. I would happily play there. So just do that instead of these forced events in New York that like. 20 fans from each school can attend. I think more can probably go from Maryland since it's closer, but like in a midweek thing or whatever it is for Tennessee fans, not exactly many people have like the means to just fly to Brooklyn on a random Sunday or whatever. Yeah. It's not going to be Maryland fans from Maryland. It's going to be Maryland fans that live in Brooklyn or New York, like in Tennessee fans live in New York and that's about it. Yeah. I don't like it, but I'm afraid that ship has long sailed in college sports. (laughs) There might be a Ziegler section though. That'd be cool. That is nice for him that he gets yeah. to play in front of what I assume are going to be a lot of like family members and friends. Yeah, for sure. Very pro Zakai Ziegler on this very program. Um, we end with uh, Virginia Tech. They're next up in our Kim Palm Top 25 Season in Review Rankings, Will. Great year for Virginia Tech. And folks, I think you got to look. They're not like an everything school like the University of Tennessee is at this point. But 
great baseball season. They were under the radar. Just they had a great, great run. Uh, they were dominant for the majority of this ACC season. Uh, basketball with Coach Young, they're back. They really, uh, they've really made it work. And then it's an exciting time with Brent Pry pulling him away. Longtime uh, James Franklin assistant uh, and followed from. Vanderbilt to Penn State and good culture fit. BT football looks like it's taking shape. I don't know. The athletics department's pretty healthy uh, across the board at uh, Vautech. But um, when you watched this team last year and what you saw from from the Hokies, are you a believer in Young long term? Did you think that they were better than their record, their Kempom ranking? Were they a little playing above their heads? Where are you at with the, with the Hokies? I think they were for sure better than their record. Um, I, I don't think it was anything like this team should have won 28 games instead of 23 but Mm. they probably should have won a couple more somewhere along the season so like uh, i just pulled up their page just as an example flip two games that were decided Mm. by a combined three points so they lost to xavier on a neutral court xavier you know failed to make the tournament lost to virginia on the road by two Mm. that was a combined three points of losses you flip those two and that's a tier two win added and a tier one win added they might not have even needed to beat Duke in that case to get into the field as an mm-hmm. 11 seed. They were, I mean, they're a weird team. They were top 40 for 90% of the season in Ken Palm, uh, but they're basically entirely off the tournament radar uh, until, I'd say, like the start of March because they kept piling up uh, tough loss after tough loss. They were 2-7 and seven at one point in the ACC. Mm-hmm. Um, really didn't pile together... I, I don't think they had a single truly impressive win until they beat Miami on the road in mm-hmm. late February. And that was, you know, almost four full months into the season. Uh, but, I mean, they got hot at the right time, turned those good metrics to a four-game hot streak, delivered what I would deem a, a deeply satisfying win over Duke. Somehow mm-hmm. only the third most satisfying Duke loss of the season, which is when you think of, like, Duke losing the ACC tournament by 15 and Kay's mm-hmm. final chance to win it, that should be like a real high contender, and it was mm. at best number three. It could have even been number four if I went back and looked. I think you know Duke had a couple of real weird losses throughout the season. Like, mm. yeah, Florida State by one on the road. I would honestly put that above the ACC title game because mm. it was like Florida State was not good. But anyway, um, Tech got an unlucky draw in the tournament. You got a six seed Texas that Ken Palm saw as a four seed. Mm-hmm. And Texas, a bad shooting team out of nowhere, made 55% of their threes, and then you get bounced. That's March. Yeah. But I, I think you can take a lot of positives. They were the third best team from three on the season at 39%. Uh, they're the best 11 seed in six years since Wichita State. Wow. Um, Tech's offense is very good and has been basically the entire time under Young, which is not a surprise because he closed that Wofford run with a couple of fantastic offenses. Mm-hmm. And I think he's really he's got his system that works really well, especially against zones. Uh, when he was at Wofford, they could dice up a zone defense so well with it with their shooting. Um, if they're ever able to get the defense to come along as a top forty unit, and it very mm-hmm. well could happen this year because I like what they return. Uh, that's a team that could sustain a full year as a low-end top 25 side. What would you bet on? It's kind of funny because I kind of, with Buzz Peterson, like um, 
or Buzz Williams. I was get it back. I get the Buzz Peterson with uh, the Hornets and old Tennessee friend Buzz Peterson. Uh, Buzz <laughs> Williams. Uh, Buzz Williams. Um, he was not a good culture fit at Vatek, mm-hmm. and now he's in Aggie Land, and he seems like a much better culture fit there. But they were on the bubble where they had to keep winning in the tournament and kind of keep proving to folks, like, hey, we're building something. We're actually pretty good. And mm-hmm. they actually don't get in, and the Hokies do get in his old uh, his old program. That was kind of interesting. It's the, it's the luck of the draw, unfortunately. Do you think they bounce back? Do you think they're better uh, where they landed on Kimpom? If you had to guess, Clairvoyant will. Do you think next year they're a better team, or do you think they take a step back? I think, honestly, they might be the exact same. The, hmm. If you average Torvik's projections and uh, the ones from HoopExplorer.com, a great site, comes hmm. out as a 20th overall for them. And they were 19th hmm. last year. So I think, uh, frankly, they're tracking pretty well to be pretty much exactly what they were last year. If they can get better luck in close games, they honestly could be a four or five seed. All it takes is just for like the the bad luck you have one year to flip in your favor the next. And... I mean, they could make a good little run in, you know, what's un- sort of unsurprisingly projecting to be another relatively weak ACC. Who do you think is going to be their best player next year? <sighs> That's a good question. I don't know. I think they've got a few different contenders. Uh, Hunter Couture, I think, is a, a good pick. I'd like to see Grant. I don't know if it's Grant Basil or whatever it is from uh, Wright State, mm-hmm. who was phenomenal the last two years for them in the front court. Uh, I would like to see him do really well because I got a soft spot for these mid-major guys who are very under-recruited and then suddenly uh, become legit high-major options. But I think they're going to be score- they're going to be splitting their scoring a few different ways. I don't know if it'll be any one dude, but they will need to find some guy between now and March that is the go-to bucket getter by game's end. I thought you were going to say you had a soft spot for the Wright State guy because of what Drew Gilbert did to Wright State on uh, a certain Super Regional last year. Do you remember that? They walk off Grand Slam? I do remember that. That was Wright State. Wright State getting to play in Dayton for the uh, play-in was such a great advantage considering they're like seven minutes from the campus. Do you know like where the locations are? Wright State, Murray State? Are you just the geography guy when it comes to every school, Will? Who do you not know where they are? You have some skill in life. Mm -hmm. Uh, No, Wright State... I know two things about them, or three mm-hmm. now. One, they did lose to Tennessee that year, mm-hmm. uh, both in baseball and in basketball. Two, yeah. uh, the Guided by Voices lead singer went there, shout <laughs> out to him. And then three, uh, they were seven minutes from the Dayton Arena as they proceeded to demolish. I think it was Bryant. There you go. Um, I like it. I like it. Uh, do you have any stats of the week for us, Will? Just one, and then I've okay. got a jet. Uh do you know got the team that has I the highest? That. Yeah, you got it. Jimmy's, Jimmy's jet. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Dykes posted him a picture of himself on a boat this week, and somebody said it should be Jimmy's boat this year. There you go. I, I think like that it. would be. I don't know if that would be an improvement, but it would be pretty funny to have like ESPN's team design the graphic where it's like, if you're on the bubble, you're like hanging on to the mm-hmm. to like the ladder on the back end mm-hmm. as the boat's pulling away, right? Or something like that. Or you've been thrown overboard. That would be good. <laughs> There you go. Just thinking out loud for Jimmy here. <laughs> uh, do you know the team that has the highest amount of uh, on Bart Torvik's site returning possession minutes, which is just like minutes weighted by how much scoring you have back? North Carolina. It's an ACC team, but it is not North Carolina. Mm, Wake Forest. It is Virginia, which is topical because huh. we were talking about their rivals, Virginia Tech. Yeah, Virginia brings back uh, almost 91% of their scoring in minutes from last year. They're going to be huh. 
a lot more experience, a lot uh, pro- probably pretty improved. And you know, unfortunately for uh, a lot of neutrals, they will be back towards the top of college basketball this year. But something that really fascinates me about them is that you know Tony Bennett, not really a big transfers guy. He, mm. You know he barely chased the portal at all last year which led to them having a pretty bad team Mm. he added one transfer this year and it is uh the guy who shredded them in the 2021 ncaa (laughs) tournament for ohio ben vanderplas Mm -hmm. which it's awesome that their transfer strategy was just do you remember the last time we made the tournament the guy that killed us go get him (laughs) and it works yeah I like it. I mean, yeah, Virginia's going to be back uh, this year. They figure to be a pretty good team. Every every school in America should do that, by the way. Kentucky yeah. should go get the Joe Dirt guy from St. Peter's. <laughs> Who do we get? Who is our uh, – do we, like – I, I always wanted, I wanted Tennessee to get that Colgate guy that dropped 40 on them or whatever. Ooh, okay. And mm-hmm. because he would have been, like, Tennessee's 900th Jordan. We've had a lot of Jordan. Shout out Jordan McRae. Jordan Bowden. Jordan Bowden, yeah, a lot of Jordans. A lot of Jordans. Uh, there you go. Will Warren, follow you on Twitter, Stats by Will. Go check out statsbywill.com. Anything you want to plug on the website this week? Anything new? Nothing new. i got to think of some story ideas. I'm running thin on inspiration. It's this heat. Was that a pun? Was that an intentional pun with the running no. aspect? Because no. you and I are running. <laughs> I don't know if people knew that we run, uh, but that is something we do. We need to do, there should be one week where it's just a running podcast. Okay. I think we're to say, like, see if, how many times we could, like, throw in the word running and make it seem pretty organic and natural that uh, we can act, like not just running but any kind of running word or adjective and things like that see if we can do it running and basketball podcast and you invite the goat uh, Paul Flannery on here there you go that great writer awesome. incredible writer I will say though personally I don't like that he pivoted because uh, he was a great <laughs> NBA writer and the Sunday NBA shoot around on uh, SB Nation was so yeah. good I miss that so much, and they both are on Substack, but uh, it's just, I, I don't, I miss his NBA writing, but he's a great, uh, he's a great runner. He's a, but he's hardcore, man. Paul Flannery is a hardcore runner. Like, I read yeah. that stuff and what he's doing in his below freezing temps. We don't have that in Tennessee, <laughs> but they're out he, there. He's built way different than me. He's got that not. dog in him. He's got that dog in him. Uh, Will, <laughs> thank you as always. I greatly appreciate it, and uh, I will talk to you next week. Talk to you soon. All right, y'all, that'll do it for part one here on a Friday here on the Chase Thomas Podcast on the Blue Wire Pod Network. Thank you guys for spending uh, part of your day with the Chase Thomas Podcast here on the Blue Wire Pod Network. I greatly appreciate it. If you want to get in touch with the program, guess what? You can do so quite easily. Chase Thomas Podcast at gmail.com. Tweet at me at Chase double underscore Thomas and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. You can also read me, sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com dot com type your email become a subscriber today that easy that simple go to the hq chase thomas podcast.com and then of course like and subscribe on uh, youtube.com slash chase thomas podcast part two coming up in just one second with michael uh all right uncle Derek, how'd i do Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.